we go. Oh, there's people yes. here. There are, there's a few. I, this, I, this is awesome. This is, um, we kind of thought about, do we even do service today, day after Christmas? We do one service. One service or whatever. We did. No, I have no idea if people are going to yeah. show up. But you're here. I'm so happy to, yeah, to see you all. Good to have and you here. For those online, thanks for joining yeah. us. We sure appreciate that. And I'm, and I'm wearing black for a reason. Yeah, what's the reason? That this is like my week of mourning because everyone starts taking out their Christmas lights. And oh, yeah. Like last night, my mom came to Christmas, and when I was taking her back to her home, I went to show her lights, and no one had their lights on. And you were just bummed out. I'm just bummed out. Like, I hate this week. Like, if you say Merry Christmas, it's not. Do you say Happy New Year? It's not. Not quite yet. All this right. is like the happy nothing week. So you are just a miserable mess right now. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Pancakes. You, you had know. pancakes. Yeah, yeah good. good for the pancakes. And thanks to the guys out there. They're not going to be here after service. I hope you got your pancakes before. But yeah, so... Anyways. So we're going to kind of run through 2021. We are going to look this week, over and the 2021. next week you're going to lead us through kind of what's ahead. But yes. we're going to take a little journey through 2021, which was interesting to say the least. I like how how Megan put it. 2021 was supposed to be kind of the way out. Yes. And uh, like <laughs> the peekaboo, no peekaboo, no. And we're kind of in that zone where you know, are we in? Are we out? What are we going to do? And we just don't quite know. We're sort of yeah. in limbo, and that's not the that's not the best place to be is in, in no. societal limbo. People get kind of anxious and a little frustrated. Uh, and I can totally relate to that. I mean, man, when the mask mandate hit again, I'm like, you've got to be <laughs> kidding me. Most of us are over that. I saw a post on Instagram that it said like 2022. Yeah. It was like 2020, then T-O-O. Yeah, like, and I was like, I get again. it, 2022. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh no. We're not doing that. Yeah, we're, we're not, not doing, doing it. We refuse. What we're going to do is, is kind of t- do a brief journey through 2021. Yes. And uh, just to kind of solidify our story, right? The story of Rancho, the story of, of kind of us, right? Together as a family of faith. Where have we been, which sets the stage for where we're going. And uh, you might recall, of course, at the beginning of 2021, the lot was still shut down, including this church. We kind of sort of did our part and kind of complied. And some people liked that, some people didn't. But uh, we got, uh, you know, we had Easter mm. outside in person, yeah. which was our first kind of big step of reuniting our church. And it was fantastic. It seems like forever ago. I can't believe it was just about eight or nine months ago, but this lawn was packed with people. It was awesome. We had two stages. This band was just full force, kind of crazy, uh, fun time. And uh, it was such a good time to get together. We'll say goodbye to our uh, youth as they're heading out to the next oh, room. Oh, bye, there. guys. Take care. We'll see you. All right. Goodbye. Um, did we offend you? <laughs> <laughs> um, if people walk out, like, just we're out of that here. many at once. <laughs> uh, it happens every week. People yeah. walk outs. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the, we had this incredible Easter uh, event, and then a month later, we were back live in person inside, right. and it was so much fun. Yeah. And, uh, and we've been you know, ever since, and we will remain that way no matter what, but it was good to get back together. And when we got back together, we saw, we called it a grand reopening Yeah. because the, the journey that we were on, not being in person for a whole year was basically, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that we were working on kind of gradually and incrementally, we can just say right here, right now, we're just going to do it. Yeah. And it was kind of fun, kind of freeing that, that we're going to really establish who Rancho uniquely is as a family of faith. Yeah. And so we started with this circles. Yeah, we did it. And, and yeah, we're going to go through each of the series because I think it's kind of fun. It's been fun over the last couple services, mm-hmm. just hearing your heart. We do think through why we do these series, but we started with circles mm-hmm. and we wanted to identify as we are coming back together, the different circles in each of our lives. We have 
work circles and family circles and friendships, all these different circles. We're going to show so, you actually a, a graphic of, of the circle series. You might, yeah, so we're going to have a graphic that might get you to remember uh, the different series that we had. But yeah, that was it. There we there. go. Yeah. And it was this idea of leading and loving, right? So we were kind of tying leading together with loving. And we think those things work hand in hand. Why, did, why was that? that? You came up with that little title. Yeah. Why leading and loving? And why did you see that? Well, this was important? the first series back in person. And, right. and so we thought we're going to make it about relationships, right? The circles of relationships, family, friends, workplace, and then community. And we also called the entire world a circle of, yeah. of relationship. Yeah. Um, no matter where we go, we're interacting with people to really make it a people-focused series. And the concept of leading and loving uh, came from not only do we connect together and not only are we eager to connect again, person to person, but let's lead with love. Right. And if we lead with love in every circle we're in, we're gonna lead each other and lead actually the world forward to be more like the world Jesus uh, himself came to initiate. And, and really, when it comes to leadership, it, it's all about love. You can lead in other ways. You can lead with fear, you can lead with intimidation, you can lead with threats, but it's really best to lead with love, which is what Jesus did, right? If, if we love someone, what we say matters. If we love someone, what we say has real influence. And leadership really is about influence, right? So if we uh, love someone and give a kind word to them, they're gonna take that seriously and they're gonna really be built up by that. If we give a word, let's say, hey, you could have done that better, right? If we love that person, they're gonna take that seriously and perhaps make some changes. And so we're leading and loving each other in every circle of life. Right, and I think it was John Maxwell that one time talked about like everyone is a leader because leadership just means influence. Right. Yeah. And we're all influencing, every one of us are influencing each other. So when you sit there and get that, you, you kind of look at that as the definition of leadership, yeah. then we're impacting with love, yeah. you know, instead of the other things that you talked about. But when we looked at, you know, church, we looked at work, we looked at different things mm -hmm. like that. But the one that stood out as we talked this week to you was friends. Yeah. And I think coming out of, uh, you know, the pandemic and everything, it makes sense, but yeah. elaborate on a little bit because sure. it was, you know, that's the one that you kind of wanted to talk about, you know? Yeah, so as we talk about these circles uh, of relationships, uh, when there was a lockdown, of course, we focused on family. Basically, every other relationship was sidelined and you're only kind of sequestered in your house, right? And uh, which is typically family. And so there was this sort of a dry spell of, of friendship where the people that were your acquaintances and friends, people that you enjoyed kind of getting together with on a regular basis, you weren't together with them as much. And so there was sort of this hollow feeling, like I can't wait to get back to friendships. And so that was a big one for me to just really enjoy getting back with friends. But also uh, to, to double down on this personal journey of mine, which is a lifelong journey of, of developing deeper friendships and more friendships. Um, I could tend to be a little introverted. That's not unusual for pastors to be introverted. Uh, it's not unusual for, for people to have their home as sort of a refuge, a safe place where you know, maybe you know, your, your life at work is kind of filled with a lot of people. You wanna go home and just kind of be us. I have that tendency for sure. Uh, as a young person growing up, my career ambition was to be a commercial architect sitting in a cubicle with a computer designing buildings by myself. Building so that was like my entire vision of life. And, and, and to kind of get uh, uh, sidetracked into ministry, which I, I love and absolutely enjoy it, there's a lot of people there. And so sometimes that's uncomfortable. So this, this friendship circle for me was real important to say, all right, keep working on this. Yeah. 
Keep working on building more friendships and deeper friendships and invite more people into your, into your home. Yeah. You know, it's not just a safe haven. It's really a place for hospitality. So right. we've been working on that quite a bit. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, one of the statements you made was church can either be a place of deep connection or it can be a crowd of lonely people. And so I just want to encourage everyone, you know, like you're a leader, <laughs> your life's impacting and wherever you are, you're impacting people. And whether it be just on a campus like this together, saying hi and seeing who people are and getting people's names, you can make a difference. Yeah. We're all impacting each other. It come, John 15 was the verse that kind of was the foundation of this, like love each other in the same way I've loved you. And here's the cool part. He goes on to say right after that in verse 15, and I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. How beautiful. So it's an idea that love as I have loved you and I'm calling you my friends. And so what a beautiful series that was, yeah. just kind of talking about that. Then we went into our summer. Yeah. And our summers are a longer series, usually a couple months long, but it was a good one. It was one of my favorites we did of the year, re-reimagine. Yeah. And we went back and forth on this title in our group meeting, like, <laughs> are you sure you want to re-re? What's this re-re thing? You know, too many words, it's too long. But but there was a re, we stuck with it, and you did because of what it was representing. Yeah, and so what show we you wanted the, to the talk re reimagine uh, a graphic here. Hopefully, we can get that on the screen. Yeah. It's really this idea that we're going to imagine again something that Jesus already imagined. So, the re reimagine uh, is walking with Jesus as he reimagined the way the world could be and should be. If you really look at the life and ministry of Jesus, I think that's primarily what he was doing. Yeah and why he became so popular, then so controversial, and why ultimately uh, the, the, the people in power wanted him put to death. Because he was looking at the world as it was, and he was saying, no. The world as it was is not acceptable. It is not acceptable that this world is driven by political power and religious power and oppressing people along the way. It is unacceptable. So he reimagined the world that could be and should be, a world that he called the kingdom of heaven. He basically imagined heaven on earth, so you can kind of subtitle the entire ministry of Jesus, heaven on earth. That's what he was teaching. That's what he was practicing is how can we reimagine a world that looks a lot like heaven? And so everybody else was confused. They're like, that can't happen here. It's just, there's so much oppression. There's so much hurt. There's so much poverty. There's so much pain. And Jesus kept pushing through that and pushing through that. No, this will happen. Heaven will be established on the earth. Um, that's how he taught us to pray, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this caused people to pay close attention to this. He reimagined a world that looks a lot like heaven. So we walked that journey with Jesus, re-reimagining that, and it was kind of fun. Yeah, and, and when you think about it, the people that were most attracted, like those that felt outside, when yeah. he's doing the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. I mean, it's like the religious leaders are hating it because, you know, he's imagining a world that's not controlled by religion. And without a doubt, at that point, religion had become such a dominating force. Right. And I think a negative dominating, authoritarian force, he didn't come to start a new religion. He came to sit there and put religion aside yeah. and say, this is what it looks like for all people everywhere, you know, you know, be in this vision of God. And the crazy thing is, when we were thinking about this, I didn't think about it too, we were talking about it, but We've just done it all over again. Yeah. Since then, we have basically, religion again has become this wall for people. Are you in, are you out, are you doing it right? Are you thinking right, are you, oh, you're in, you're out. And so I think when we did the re-reimagine, here we are 2,000 years later, trying to re-reimagine 
just the kingdom of God again, not religion, not that which holds people back. So over the past couple of years, you're exactly right. We've moved backwards as humankind. Yeah. We've moved backwards into primal tribalism. And it's understandable, right? Primal tribalism is this instinct in our brain. You do a lot of studying of uh, the human brain because you're yeah, very yeah, smart. I'm kind of like a scientist, yeah, like a neuroscientist. <laughs> yeah, I've read like two books. I'm yeah. an expert, so I got it all figured out. Yeah. But we but actually, like we actually do like the subject yeah. quite a bit because the human brain is wired to respond to threats. And uh, so, for example, if a uh, pride of lions is coming your direction, you're out there working on the garden, human brain says, that's a threat. Human brain says, I got to get people who are in my tribe to collectively defend ourselves against the threat. Right. That's the way the human brain is wired for human survival, so it's completely understandable. Now here we have the pandemic. There's not a pride of lions, but there's this disease that is sweeping the globe, and everybody is, is in a, a, a kind of fight-or-flight mode. The brain is not wired for two years of perceiving constant threat, and so we get very agitated, and we get incredibly primal. And so what we do is we say, okay, well, who's like me? They're my people and everybody else is a threat. This is my political party. Everybody else is a threat. This is my you know, brand of religion. Everybody else is a threat. I'm right, they're wrong, I'm good, they're bad. And the rhetoric goes through the roof. Social media goes through the roof. And so we got primal, we got tribal uh, during this pandemic. And so part of the re reimagined series was to walk with Jesus who was also in a very primal and tribal environment. There were the Romans, there were the Jews, and they hated each other. There were the Sadducees and Pharisees, and they hated each other. There were 11 political parties, and they hated each other, right? So to walk with Jesus through that scenario felt very good because yeah. we're in some similar weeds here. Yeah. And, we, and the victory here in Christ is to get past primitive tribal thinking and to say, you're my sister, you're my brother. We disagree on politics, fantastic. Let's have some friendly conversation and let's move on. We might disagree on some religious perspectives. Fine, you're my brother and sister, let's move on. Let's live in the grace of God through Jesus Christ as we have these conversations together and learn from each other, right? And try to solve the problems around us. But we're walking in friendship, we're walking in grace. That's the world that Jesus reimagined. You know, and, and the foundation of it, right, was how he helped us to reimagine re God through Christ, Absolutely. right? That was the focus. I mean, the focus, we are this Christ, we call ourselves this Christ-centric church. And it's not that other people, the other churches don't think about Christ, they do, but like he's become like, we see Jesus, we see God. And one of the statements in this series was, Jesus invites us to stop believing in a vengeful judge and to start believing God as a loving father. That, you know, we, you, this is something that's been passionate for you. It's like looking at how they saw God in the Old Testament, vengeful, looking over, ready to come down on you. And Jesus changes that. He reimagines the very like character of who God is through his ministry and through his teaching, which came out as Abba Father, which could have been one of the first times. I mean, so something I've done, you think I've about. I've done a little bit of research on this. And, and from everything I have found so far, and I still have some more work to do, is I think when Jesus called God Abba, which is translated dad, Jesus called God a dad, a perfect dad. I think it was the first time in human history that God was called by that name. In every other religion, including the Judaic religion that Jesus was born into, God was was 
distant and powerful and, and a judge ready to pounce. He wanted our obedience. He wanted our devotion. He wanted our adherence to the specifics of every religious command and every religious ceremony. Then we would earn his blessing and then he would make us prosperous. Mm. That is the Old Testament paradigm. Uh, and that was a, a very elementary thing as we find out later through the teaching of Jesus and, and God's word. Jesus came to bring something more, something different, something new, a new covenant where God is a father. God is perceived as dad, always for us, never against us, forgiving us of everything we've ever done and everything we ever will do. He embraces us and accepts us just as we are. This is a whole new way of thinking about God that Jesus brought for the very first time. So you're right, everything that Jesus reimagined and everything that we re-reimagine is based on that new definition of God. He is dad to us, not just something to be feared out there. He's not gonna just get us because we you know, don't comply with his, his rules. He's not just angry and disappointed with us. Uh, he is a dad who's just loving us and pouring his best into us always, even when we fail. And that's freedom. That is real freedom. Man, one of the, one of the stories that comes to mind in John chapter eight with the adulterous woman, and they wanna stone her to death. And he does the, you know, who's up for without sin, casts the first stone, they all leave. And, but what's fascinating is later on in that chapter to the discussion that starts happening, they go after Jesus. I mean, they all leave, but they go after him. And they're sitting there saying, you know, he goes, Ben, you're, they go, we're just using the law. We're using the law of Moses. And he goes, no, you are using human tradition. You're not talking about the very heart of God. And it's a fascinating reality that that judgmental, legalistic kind of idea that God is just looking down and Jesus comes and just flips that upside down and gets us to see him as a loving father. I love 1 John 3. See what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. That is cool. That is what you are. Oh, how great the Father has just lavishly loved you that you are called children of God and that is what you are. And I love John 14, 9, Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. This is it, man, you know? Yep. At the end of 1 John, it, it, the very last line, verse says, you know, and keep yourself from idols and it's over. Yep. Right before that, it talks about Jesus being the ex exact image of God. Jesus is how we know and see God. Then it ends by saying, keep yourself from idols. It's almost like if it doesn't look like Jesus, not it God. ain't God. That's right. Yeah, I love that. I love that. What a, we could talk about. This is one of our favorite subjects. <laughs> sure. We could talk about that one for a long time. But then we came, summer came to a close. We're kind of launching into September going, we're going to go have Wednesday nights again. Our children are going to have the super fantastic Wednesdays. We're going to do small groups. So we did a series called The Table. And we wanted to just kind of, we had that big old table up here and we wanted to launch into like small groups and start getting that thought. Carissa kind of launched into this yep. one as our small groups pastor. And she came up with three kind of focuses of our small groups, connecting, cause, and celebration and, and connecting and cause we get, you know, right. like we connect together. We want to have things we're doing together. But I think the one that stood out for both of us, as a matter of fact, we had a lot of discussion with her too yeah. about that celebration. But over time, that kind of began to really yeah. resonate with you and with all of us. So that, that celebration aspect of coming back and being yeah. part of Groups. And as, uh, as Krista brought the series to us, and uh, she's our newest pastor, and uh, uh, this was her first you know, series she architected, and that celebration idea was kind of interesting because first we were celebrating that we were just back together again. It was the yeah. first time we had launched small groups in a year and a half, 
and it felt good. And uh, we launched dozens of them, and, and it was great to reconnect, not just on Sunday morning in person, but Wednesday night and in homes again in Rancho Small Groups. And, uh, but this idea of celebration wasn't just about the celebration of getting together again, but really celebrating each other's lives. And not just the good stuff, right? Sometimes when we think about celebration, we think about, well, what are the good things that are happening? You know, fantastic, yay. No, it's, it's more than that. It's celebrating all of life, mm-hmm. which sometimes comes with some struggle and some heartache as well. And uh, to bear each other's burdens in that way is a celebration. Even losing a loved one, you can celebrate that life and you're, you're kind of walking that grief together. That is a celebration of living life together. So it's not just this fake, hey, you know, yeah, we're all here and yeah, life is good. No, sometimes life isn't good. Yeah. But we still celebrate that we have each other, right? And we can walk each other through some of those difficulties. Uh, we're coming up on uh, the loss of a friend of ours uh, through COVID and, and just the grief of, of that. And to walk with family and friends through that, it's difficult but we celebrate the fact that we are there for each other. We celebrate the fact that, you know, here's a life that's well-lived that can be celebrated also. So it's a complex thing. Yeah. You know, when we are in relationship with each other, it's the good and the bad, and we get it all. If we're gonna have an authentic friendship-based relationship and an authentic friendship-based church, it's about embracing it all, the good and the bad, but yeah. walking together. Yeah, and I tell you, man, there has been a couple, couple weeks over the last year, you know, one week there was like three funerals, you know, I officiated one week, and you see the power of people, the power of people together. Oftentimes I hear like, I don't know how I can get through this without Jesus. And I sit there and go, yeah, I don't know how I can get through it without each other. And I think that is the very hands and feet of Christ as we're in this together. I love the statement on that, on that Sunday. We talked about this as church groups are a celebration of God, a celebration of our stories and a celebration of our life together. And I, that was a really cool just cool reality, man, watching people, even in the, I mean, the difficulties of life is as normal as the good things and, and realizing how much God has designed it, that together, Solomon said, I, I pity the fool, right? I, I pity the man <laughs> who goes, <laughs> I just, Mr. T came out there for a second. Uh, I, you know, I pity the person that goes through these hardships and doesn't have anyone, you know, but Man, if we are together, we can keep warm. We can encourage each other. We can hang in there. So that's something to celebrate. Galatians 5, 6 is a verse almost in every series we've been talking about over the last year. The only thing that matters is faith, which we talked about earlier, faith that God is our heavenly father and loves us and expressing itself in love. That's all that matters. And there's a lot of other things. You know, religion starts making everything else matter. But what we want in this is that we connect together, we look at others together as causes, but that we celebrate life together as we make it through the good times and the bad times. So and yeah, it really that does a good time to that simple too. thing. And I, I, I know it's simple, but it is about Nuts. love. That's yeah. what matters is how we treat each other, how we love each other. And as simple as that is, uh, it takes a lifetime to figure yeah. out how to do that like it's Jesus. It's not easy, it's simple. No. The yeah, pull like up that. is yeah. the simplest exercise. Yeah but it ain't the easiest, right? <laughs> so yeah, totally. And then we, uh, you know, after that, it was a, a lot of fun because then we did this Forever Young series yeah. and we wanted to just coming out of this, especially I think a lot of it was we realized how much kids suffered over this pandemic, not going to school, teachers that we talked to, that freshmen when kids like one year out of community and being together was very teachers, what they faced. Was, so we focused on this forever young. We had a fun day when we put up, put up the picture with all of us. Uh, the whole staff kind of came up there and uh, we all came up together and look at this. And uh, we were kind of counted like how many years we all worked in youth at some time throughout our ministries. Yeah. That's how I, you and I, I, I met. We are both youth pastors here in absolutely. town. Absolutely. And we started having Chinese food like every other yes, week or something like yes. that. 
But that staff, I think the number was something like 240 collective years of working with children and youth. And then I went to our HR department and said, okay, we have the school as well, which is 1,100 kids and all these teachers, I mean, 70 teachers and administrators and all that. And what is the estimate of the total number of years we have worked with children and youth? And the best guess was 1,602 years. Yeah, that's crazy. And uh, it just shows the passion of this place really is, is for the next generation. It's for the children. It's for the youth. Um, it's been said that every movement is one generation away from extinction. Yeah. Hmm. Every movement, every business is one generation away from extinction. Because if you don't connect with the young people, if you don't connect with the young generation, that generation will be the end of it all. There's this stream, this movement is a stream, and it can't be blocked by losing a generation. Uh, Jesus himself said, let the children come. As all the important adults are keeping all the kids away from the important oh, Jesus. He's important, right? he's busy, he's busy, right. keep them away. That's when he... Yeah. He rebukes them. Oh, yeah. And he harshly rebukes the adults. Yeah. It says, let the children come. And they flocked to Jesus and he got down on their level and he played with them. And he says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And so we cannot lose our kind of obsession with the next generation, the children and the, and the youth to make sure they're not, you know, kind of raised in the slavery of religion, right? That, you know, God is watching over you. He's brooding over you. Do good and threats and judgment. No, but to enjoy life, enjoy being loved at home, enjoy being loved by God, enjoy a church family where there's, there's nothing but love here. All that matters is yeah. faith expressing itself yeah. through love. To have kids kind of raised in that environment just means everything. They will have a lifetime of thriving yeah. if they live a lifetime of love together. And then Jesus says, you know, it's not just about priority for those who are young, but those who live young, forever young. Uh, some of the youngest at heart people I know are some of the oldest in age. Oh, yes. They just love just learning and growing and thinking and exploring and spending time with, with young people. It's yeah. fantastic. It is awesome. And, you know, and it's not just church. I mean, we got to start all our, our different ministries and stuff. This school here, right, one of the things I've always loved about Rancho, even long before I was ever even on staff here, is that, yeah, we have a big campus but this campus, unlike a lot of churches I was part of before that are empty all week long and then you have this Sunday service, this campus is packed yeah. every single day With to kids. my demise yeah. sometimes, right? Yeah. Because it's like never empty. 1,100 kids from preschoolers to high schoolers every day on this campus. And that is because of this vision. Yeah. So it's not just church ministry. We always look at it that our our children's ministry and our youth ministry have like 1,100 kids. <laughs> right. And we do see it that way. Mm -hmm. The kids and their families. I mean, this is a pretty exciting place yep. to be throughout so the if week. If you add up every uh, young person that we get to interact with, nursery through high school, uh, church and school and rescue mission, it's about 2,000 young people we get to interact with every single week. Yeah. And it is such Every a, a pleasure. Every single day almost. Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. true. Absolutely true. Yeah, that is awesome. And one of the verses that out of all this, these series we looked at, this is the one you said, this one has to be in there. The other ones you didn't say, <laughs> but this was the one because it's in the book of Joel chapter two. And at Pentecost with the spirit of God drops and the, the, speaking in tongues and all this going on, they're going, what's going on here? He's been drunk. He says, Peter, I think it says, no, this is what was spoken of in Joel, where it says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will speak the truth boldly. Older generations will dream dreams. Younger generations will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on everyone equally to rich and poor, men and women alike. And obviously earlier, right? Older and younger, equally. And he goes, this is what you see going on. So that spirit of God coming is not just about like, 
you know, this authoritarian older people just ruling, but about this him moving, the spirit of God moving in all people. And so what a cool verse, oh, yeah. just as this Old Testament pointing to this time of Christ, that he is going to be touching the young people and using them to further his Absolutely. kingdom into the future. I, I helped to lead a, a network of a, about a thousand churches, and most of those churches are interested in keeping their older populations happy. Yeah. Keep them happy and they'll keep coming. Keep them happy and they'll keep giving. Yeah. What the What's happening in the church, not just in America, but throughout the world, is you're not connecting with the younger generation. And so Christianity as a religion, I don't wanna get too heavy here, Christianity as a religion is dying as a result. It is literally dying. What is being rebirthed is really a a young movement of following Jesus. A Jesus-focused movement is happening. That's separate from the Christian religion. I think we're a part of that movement. I'm excited about that movement, but it really you know, involves being yeah. forever young. Just that thrill for life and learning and following Jesus. Yeah, and you know, so as we move into 2022, I just wanna let anyone here know, and you that come to our church, even if you're online, that you wanna get involved? Our children's ministry, youth ministries are always the places that need the most volunteers and struggle to get them a lot of times. So if you wanna get involved, man, every Sunday, once a month would be huge just going in there and being with the next generation. How can I help? How can I be a part of it? You could be a part of that monthly, weekly. They would love it. The kids would love it. Like we talked about during that series, man, they will gravitate towards the oldest person that gives them a high five. Just watch me out there, right? (laughs) Kids running for a high five, and I love it just because you take, you're there. So go get involved and be a part of that, right? So so then after that, uh, leading into Thanksgiving and gratitude and thankfulness, we looked at the core heart of Rancho, mercy, justice, and love, a diverse community of friends advancing the cause of Christ through mercy, justice, and love. And it's our mission, it's our heart, and we want to just kind of go into that season to really focus on this. So, you know, this is the last of the series before we got into Christmas, and um, that mercy, justice, love series, it just kind of writes itself because Jesus himself said, the most important thing is mercy, justice, and love. I mean... When Jesus makes it that simple, it's just a no-brainer. It is embedded in our mission statement as it should be. It's key, especially in that fall season as we're headed to Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's a season of generosity. It's a season to look around and to say, okay, I'm thankful for what I have from God. I'm thankful for what I have from others. Now, I can be the one that other people could be thankful for. I could give a little bit of grace out there, of mercy. I can, I can advocate for justice issues. Um, I can be the, the agent of kind of real change and, and to bring this, this, this vision of mercy, justice, and love that Jesus had uh, to this earth. I can, I can play a part in that. So during that uh, series, we uh, supported about a dozen humanitarian efforts through our own uh, agencies and nonprofits that we've started and nonprofit partners as well. This church, as usual, <laughs> is yeah. very generous. It was like every I mean, week it was crazy. stuff was filling up out oh, yeah. there, whatever we had oh, yeah. coming in, yeah. It was, it was remarkable, the yeah. impact that, that we made this last fall and every fall as we really dive into our uh, generosity mm-hmm. and our, our partner ministries, particularly in, in the works of humanitarianism. Uh, works of mercy that basically says, if you're in need, how can I lovingly and responsibly help you meet that need? Uh, justice issues, what is wrong in this world that needs to be made right? Those are very complicated issues. And then, of course, all of it under the umbrella of love, which Jesus says is the one and only commandment to worry about. Let's just love one another. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, we each week had something going on, but we talked about that idea that mercy, justice, and love is about people. 
because the very heart of God is about people. Now, well, you started this series actually with a statement that I thought was, was fascinating and, and people focused and that uh, I think you said something like every one of us is in need. Every yeah. one of us is a person in need. And so it doesn't kind of create this dualistic uh, society where there are those that have and those that have not. There are those who are prosperous and those who are not. And it's sort of like this charitable giving down. Yeah. It's like, no, we're all equals in this. We yeah. all have need. Yeah. You know, it's, I heard a, 10 years ago, a psychologist talk about if you treat everyone as though they're hurting, you're going to be treating about 95% of the people correctly. And I think that's a pretty powerful thought. And so that kind of changed my heart to just kind of start thinking through, what if I just assumed that everyone's hurting? What if I assume the person that is lashing out the most, whether it be like on the road or at a grocery store or in my own home, is a person in need instead of like they're ruining my need or whatever, you know? And that, that, that changed my life. Like that idea changed my life. It changed the assumption that I have, how you treat people differently, kind of the golden rule in Matthew chapter seven, you know, which is treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, that's this narrow road that leads to life. It's, it's true. And I've yet to ever um, regret, you know, treating people as though they're in need because you realize, like, I do believe that in some way we are. Just this morning, I got it. Yeah, I'm sitting at home just getting ready for today. And I just got a text from someone that now lives in another state. Man, I just miss having a cup of coffee with you. And I wish we can do that. And I was just like, that's, I just said, dude, exactly what I needed to hear. You don't know, like, what those words are going to mean to someone if you just assume everyone needs those words and everyone needs that encouragement and that care and everyone needs something. So that was really, yeah, powerful in my life. And uh, I've just found it to make a difference in my home and outside my home and wherever I am, just to assume that. Yeah. Uh, instead of assuming everyone's out to get me and what's their problem <laughs> and they're not paying it, whatever, you know? So we're all assuming something. And that really uh, has been a big deal well, for me. And I think all of this anger and vitriol and division that's happened over the last couple of years really is rooted in that sense that yeah. people have a need and sometimes that, that need results in fear and lashing out sure. and self-protection, yeah. but really it's just people who need more mercy, <laughs> yeah. more justice, more love in their life, and we can be that to, yeah. uh, to each that's other totally. for sure. You know, coming all the way back, full circle to circles, <laughs> we started off with this verse, John chapter 15, verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Just kind of coming back to that, having that be the focus all the time. I, I heard a pastor once say about a story, it's probably not a true story, but pastors always make up <laughs> stories to sound good. But it was like, he talked about there was this pastor that he followed that gave this same message about loving one another and then did it again the next week and the next week and the next week and the next week. And finally, uh, someone of his people from the came up and go, when are you gonna choose a different subject? And he says, when you get this one. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm there, right? <laughs> I can't hear this enough. I can't be reminded enough. And, and, and so we're just gonna keep that up there because that is what, that's what it all matters. It's the only thing that matters, right? Is working this out together and, and moving forward. Well, it is all about people. That's what Jesus said from the very beginning. And uh, that's what we need to keep reminding ourselves of. It's really about receiving the love of God through Jesus and sharing that love with the world around us and we will make this world as Jesus envisioned it, as he imagined it. Yeah. Uh, little by little, it will happen. And little by little, it is happening. And yeah. we get to be a part of that. Yeah. And then we uh, closed out our year two days ago with uh, Christmas Eve. And, yeah. and we just kind of had, uh, 
had some fun conversation leading up to Christmas Eve. Is, is anybody going to show up? We had four services, yeah. which yeah. We, I thought that's probably too, too many uh, with Omicron out there and bad weather. And is anybody going to show up? And this place was absolutely packed wall to wall. I had a plan B that after the first yeah. service, we'd put up the walls to make this place smaller yeah. as we had to do today. I'm surprised so many of you showed up today, yeah. actually. Good for you. That's great. Um, but, Pancakes. Uh, uh, yeah, it was the pancakes. Yeah. It was you. Yeah. They, yeah, they okay. heard yeah. you were up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but this place was packed, and it was so wonderful. I'm sitting up here, and this stage is packed with band members and vocalists and, and pastors and, and friends up here just celebrating the coming of Christ. And then we see all these candles up there, wall to wall, these candles lifted up representing mm. the love of Jesus Christ, the light of Jesus Christ. I teared up over there every service because I'm a big fat baby. Yeah. And, but just the fact that we're all together, that that many people would show up on Christmas Eve in the rain in California, nobody goes anywhere in, in the mist, and just celebrate being together and celebrate the light and the love of Jesus Christ. It was a great way to yeah. end the year. You know, well, it was, it was fun, and what a great year we've had. Thank you so much just for leading and, and the way you just encourage us week after week to love one another, and, and you just you know, focus on these. You keep us on task. You keep us focused on it. I just appreciate you know, that so much. We have a so fantastic much, so, team of, yeah. of great people, volunteers, and and staff. It yeah. was a great year. It really was. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Don't want to repeat yeah. it. Yeah. But it was a great year. And yeah. 2020, 2022 will be 2020, even better. Also 2022. <laughs> right. But yeah, so that's what we did. Next week, uh, I will be teaching. You leave to go to Texas tomorrow to be yep. with family. That's right. And so I'll be here next week. And I'm going to introduce you to a person that made as bad as a big of impact on me over the last year as anyone. I can't and wait. And that will be what we'll focus on. Then we're going to start a new series on January 9th. Yeah, it's called Ready or Not. The eight core decisions that could revolutionize your life. And sometimes in the new year, we are ready to make just a couple of little decisions that yeah. will be game-changing. So yeah. can't wait to see you there. So excited about that. Yeah. So thank you all for coming out today. Merry and uh, have and a, happy and new we'll year. see you next year. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, thank you so much.